I'm thankful, too, that you guys don't uh, pressure me to have it all together all the time. You know, I can become undignified before the Lord. That's what David did. And uh, that's, what we, that's what we aim for, as a matter of fact, here at the well, is to worship God in such a way that it puts all focus and honor on Him. And uh, however we can do that, you know, it's fine with me. That's what we need, is to honor and glorify Jesus Christ. Uh, so just go to the, uh, the next one. The title of today's message is God's Will or Man's Will. Uh, we won't actually look a whole lot at this particular issue today because I need to establish a few things before we really get into this issue. So I'll explain a little bit about the awakening, the whole series, these big humongous question marks up here, and what they mean, why they're here, what the what really the purpose is for this whole series. When we uh, got to thinking, and, and uh, a couple of us, we think out and, and kind of map out where we feel like God wants us to go, and I pray and I seek, and I come to this group of guys and the pastors here, the elders here, and I say, this is what I feel like God's doing, what do you think, and we, we go back and forth, and this is where God has led us to this point is the awakening. And what I want to do through the awakening, what the Lord, uh, I feel in my heart, wants to do through the awakening series. Now, this is just the fir very first message. You're on the front end of it, so uh, I'm, I'm glad for you. I'm glad for me that you're here. Uh, this is the first sermon in a series of sermons that will be either 8 to 10 sermons, 8 to 10 weeks. And what we want to do is seek to have our minds awakened through the Word of God. Now, we're going to be talking about God's will or man's will, mainly who's in control. We'll talk about salvation. Who gets the credit for your salvation? And this has been a touchy, touchy subject over the years, and it, I don't really understand why it has. See, I'm a, I'm a, I didn't grow up in church. I don't have a lot of background in church. I, I didn't go to a traditional church my whole life. And so it's weird to me how people are like, oh, sovereignty of God. Free will. I don't, I don't get all of that because the Bible's actually, to me, fairly clear, clear enough that we can say, well, this is what God's like and this is not what God's like. This is how much responsibility man has. This is, you know, man's responsibility for free will doesn't go this far. So I don't really understand all of that, but we're going to go there, okay? To clarify, this series is not really primarily about answering those questions, okay? I'll give you some answers. I'll give you some scripture. I'll give you a lot of good direction, but... This series is not primarily about getting the right answer as it is understanding how to go about getting the right answer. Does this make sense to you? Raise your hand if it makes sense. Look at the person that didn't raise their hand and say, what's wrong with you? No, I'm just kidding. You see, I want to help you to understand. Last week we preached a sermon that talked about do not be conformed to the image of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by testing you may be able to discern or prove what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. So really what I want to talk to you about today is a, is a continuation of that same thought process, and really it is how do we transform our minds? Is it us that transforms our mind? How much do we have to do with it? And how should we think about the important issues in life? When you come to a text of scripture or when you come to an issue, how do you decide what to believe about that issue? 
Is it what you've always heard? And this is the classic that I deal with all the time. I'll have a conversation with someone. Someone will have a, 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 some maybe a small issue with, with a way I've worded something or uh, something that I'm doing or something that I've said or something that somebody else has said. And they'll come to me and they'll say, Preacher, can you believe that so-and-so did such and such? And I'll say, well, did, who's, who, what did so-and-so do? And they did this. Well, why does that bother you? Well, well, everybody knows that's wrong. I've always heard. Well, I've always thought, well, God couldn't be. We got to throw that junk out the door. You got to get rid of that. I would say, I see some young kids in here, so I won't tell you what it really is. But it's silliness. It's, it's ridiculous. You got to throw all of your feelings and all of what you, now, if what you've heard over the years, if it is according to the scriptures, hold on to it for your life. But if you don't have a biblical reason for believing what you believe, you need to start over. Don't bring that to your understanding. Don't bring that to the word of God. This is the direction that we're going. The big question marks are for this. We want to find out how to answer life's biggest questions. And therefore, I'll give one more plug to the class that starts next week that Mickey's going to be leading. It's Critical Thinking 101. We're going to go to the Bible, and we're going to search out some of these issues. We're going to ask hard, hard questions, and we're going to go to the Bible, and we're going to say, what does the Bible say? And this is the way we, uh, we do things here at the well. This is the way I do things. If the Bible speaks, I speak. If the Bible doesn't speak, I don't speak. Who are we to make judgment calls for God? I see people do it all the time. But enough about that. If you want to go deeper in this, I'll only be able to scratch the surface. If you want to go deeper into these issues, then be here next week at 8 a.m. We'll have class from 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. You'll have a little break, and then we'll start church at 1022, okay? So enough about the plus. Let's get into the scriptures. Before we do, let's pray and ask the Lord to bless this time that we have together. God, uh, I have no doubt you're already here, and you're already working in the hearts of your people and in the hearts of those who do not belong to you yet. And so, God, what I pray is that you would speak clearly through the Word of God, that it would be effectual, that it would go out with power, that it would not return void, that what needs to be heard would be heard, that you would open deaf ears, that what needs to be seen would be seen, that you would open blind eyes so that we would be able to see your full glory on display. And upon seeing that, I pray that we would fall down and worship you, God. I pray that we would be all about you and that all of, all of the things in life that have been important to us would fall away and that you would take priority over everything else, everything that we thought we knew, everything that we held dear. I pray that you would take priority and precedence over it all. Help us this morning. Hide me behind the cross. You know I'm not smart enough to preach this sermon, and so, God, I pray that you would do what only you can do and bring everybody into an understanding of who you are. I pray it in Christ's name. Amen. 
So this morning we're going to be, and we're going to start out, I'm going to give you the premise of the whole thing, God's will and, and man's will, some foundational verses, but then we're going to take uh, a little bit of a detour and set up some stuff that we'll need to know as we look at the issue of God's will versus man's will. So Romans chapter 9 verse 16 will be one of the primary scriptures that we're going to use as we search out uh, the issues of God's will versus man's will. In Romans 9 16, reads this way so then it depends not it does not depend on human will or exertion or effort or work it says so then it depends not on human will or exertion but on God who has mercy now this is speaking of salvation it's speaking of a transformed life it is speaking of someone who comes to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and goes from death to to life from the darkness to the light let me read it again so we're very very clear this is not my word it's the bible so then it depends not on human will or exertion but on god who has mercy okay that's pretty clear but now let's flip over to revelation chapter 22 verse 17 and believe me when i tell you that we could go to a number of uh, any of number of other verses in the scriptures and do the same thing that we're doing here. Let's read Revelation 22:17 says this. The spirit and the bride say come and let the one who hears say come and let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who wills take the water of life without price. Whoever will let him come. Now, this translation, leave it right there because I want to show you something really quick because you might be saying, he just added words to the Bible. Well, I didn't add words to the Bible. This actually, I, I need to do this right quick. The spirit and the bride say, come, and let the one who hears say, come, and let the one who is thirsty come, let the one who desires. Now, the word desire right here is actually in the Greek, it comes from the root thelos, okay? Now, I use this verse primarily for this. If you go back and you read the King James, and they, they insert different words to convey different ideas and they try to help you to understand. So some translations are better here. Some translations are better there. If you can learn Greek, that's the only translation that you should read. But it's really kind of tough. It's hard, right? In my Greek class, we went four semesters. We started out with 34 people and ended with four, all right? So I tell you that to tell you this, that thelos, the word for will, is used here for desire. Now, that's the exact same word in Romans chapter 9. That's why this is up here. In Romans chapter 9 where it says, so then it does not depend, so then it depends not on human will or desire or exertion, but on God who has mercy. Here it would also say, let the one who wills, whoever wills, take the water without price. So whoever will, let him come. So here we have this idea that it's all on the will of God. All of, all of the people who would come to God, all of those who would love God, the transformation that happens is not through human will, but it's through God who has mercy. So he gets all the credit. But we see throughout the scripture several places where it says, Whoever will confess the Lord as Jesus Christ shall be saved. We say, whoever, for God so loved the world that whosoever will be saved, that would confess, so would believe, would, would be saved. So we see throughout the scriptures this kind of seemingly contradictory idea or not contradictory so much as just it's hard to fit it together. 
Is it God who brings or is it man who comes? Who gets credit for that? And who gets blamed if somebody doesn't come? Okay. So I've never heard anybody preach on this live. I have heard one or two sermons that I have found on the internet, but for some reason nobody wants to preach on this. But here I am. I hear that train of coming. It's coming down. <laughs> but that's okay. I'm not afraid because uh, you will see me use tons of scripture here. If you've got any questions, see me afterward. And if you've got a Bible, if you see me do something wrong, you come to me. I will change what I say. We will use the Bible. And the Bible is true. And may every one of us be a liar if we don't agree with it, myself included. All right, so as we begin to look at the topic of salvation and whether or not God chooses us or we chose him, I believe we should not begin there. We must establish anchor points that will help us to navigate through a sea of thoughts and emotions. Psalm 119 uh, verse 105 says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. So what we're going to do in order to get to where we can even talk about, does God get the credit or do we get the credit? Is it God that chooses or is it us that chooses? We need to set some anchor points and we need to use the word of God as a lamp to our feet and a light to our path so that we can see where we're going. If we don't know where we're going, then we'll get, never get to where we're supposed to be. And so I want to give you three anchor points today. And what I mean by an anchor point is this. These are black and white truths that are very plain in the scriptures that do not change. We can bounce off of them all the time and we will stay safely in the middle of God's word and God's understanding. So if you think about these anchor points, think about them also as guardrails, okay? We as human beings tend to live in the ditches, okay? So we will, we'll see something that we don't like or that we don't agree with and then we'll overcorrect and we'll get down in the ditch and then we'll say, well, this ain't right. So we'll pull it back over here. We'll go all the way across the road, down into the other ditch, and we'll go, this ain't right. We have to find a way to stay in the middle of the road. Agreed? So these anchor points are like guardrails that we can put up. They are truths that never change and truths that never change. So we can go just far enough, but if we get too far, we bang into this truth and it knocks us back over in the middle of the road. We bang into this truth and it knocks us back over in the middle of the road so that we're never found in the ditches again. Because I believe the reason that people have such a hard time with, with the sovereignty of God and this whole discussion of free will are because of the people in the ditch. You find extreme Calvinists or extreme Arminians and you find, and you may not even know what that word means and that's okay if you don't, don't worry about it. But what, is it, what it is, is it's people that have taken one of the truths and they said, this is the only truth that matters. And they elevate that one truth to a degree that it negates other truths in God's word, and that's not okay. When you have a truth that you elevate to a status that it then negates another truth, then it has ceased to be in the realm of where God wants it to be and carry the weight that God wants it to carry. Am I making sense? I don't want to go over your head. Basically, the point is this. Truths must line up. If one truth goes to the point where it makes another one untrue, it's gone too far. 
and we need to reevaluate how much importance we put on there. Are you guys hot in here? We put it on 65. You guys are full of hot air. It's a battle trying to get that thing right, isn't it? We put it on 63 degrees. Everybody comes in. It's like, it's cold in here. So we turn it up two degrees, and everybody's like, oh, my. It's like hell in here. <laughs> Sorry, babe. <laughs> All right. So anchor, <laughs> anchor number one, guardrail number one. We're going to look at three. I'm going to go ahead and give you all three of them so you can go ahead and be thinking. And then I'm going to come back and I'll just kind of break them all down. Anchor number one is that God is all sovereign. Meaning sovereign, somebody said, that's a big word. You're going to have to explain that. And I don't have a problem doing that. So, but you need to know this word so I didn't change it. I didn't dumb it down. I wanted you to, now you'll just have to figure out the word when I give it to you and remember it, okay? So sovereign, think of it as sovereign. It's self-reigning. It's all reigning. It's all powerful. The word sovereign means that God reigns. He is above everything. He is more powerful than everything, and he rules over everything. There's nothing that exists that is not under the sovereign rule of God. He is completely sovereign over everything. Nothing happens outside of God's sovereign hand. Whether by forceful doing or allowing. Nothing happens outside of God's hand. A lot of people give Satan way too much credit. Have you never read Job? Where Satan comes and says, can I hurt him please? And God says, okay. I guess this time, go ahead. But don't do this. And Satan's like, yes, sir. You understand that, that Satan and Jesus are not like cosmic brothers. You seen that picture on Facebook with their arm wrestling? No. No. That drives me crazy. Because that's silly. He would, if it was like that, Satan would be like, and, and Jesus would be like, <laughs> You know, it's not even that he's a, Satan is a created being. Jesus Christ is the creator. There is nothing that exists. You see, everybody's made Jesus Christ out to be this really warm, fuzzy, kind of long-haired hippie that just loves everybody. No, no, don't talk about my king that way. He is perfect love, but he's the baddest man that's ever touched the face of the earth. He is the God man who came down. And when he hit the ground... I won't tell you what Satan said, right? It's not even a contest. Jesus Christ is God. God is sovereign. That's anchor number one. Number two, anchor number two, the other guardrail. Let's put it on now. We got God is sovereign over here. He's ruling over everything. So that'll keep us from going off into this ditch. Well, we need one over here too, right? So we put over here that God is all good. God is a big word for it that theologians use is omnibenevolent. That's even harder for me to say. Omnibenevolent. This means that God is good, all good all the time. God has no evil in him whatsoever. Now, this will be important here in just a second as we get to talking about the sovereignty of God. 
So God is completely sovereign. He rules with an iron scepter. Nothing happens that doesn't go through him. Anything that he wants happens just like that. Anything that he speaks comes into existence. When he wants it, he gets it. When he doesn't want it, it doesn't happen. You understand that God is sovereign. But God is always good. In him there is no darkness. God is not the author of evil. God is not to blame for any of the bad stuff and to shake your finger at him and say well you could have well you could have because everything that God does is good even the things that you think is bad here's where the rub is because people say well if God is all good well then what about this and what about that we'll get to that in just a second anchor number one God is absolutely sovereign over everything Every person, every thought, every wave, every tornado, he's sovereign over it all. Anchor number two, God is all good all the time. He is only good. God is light and in him there is no darkness. God is love. Anchor number three, Jesus Christ is God who is sovereign and good. You see that? God is sovereign, left guardrail. God is good, right guardrail. The center line is that Jesus is that God who is sovereign and good. You stay there, you can't go wrong. This is how we answer questions. This, don't make up questions. Don't make up answers. Somebody asks you a question and you need to say, I'm not sure, say it. I have a hard time with this. Mickey and I have been talking and going back and forth. He'll ask me questions, and I feel like i got to have an answer for every question. But if I had the answer for every question, who would I be? That's right. We'll get into that a little bit more here in just a second. Anchor number one, guardrail number one, God is sovereign. Anchor number two, guardrail number two, God is good. The center line, the anchor point number three, Jesus Christ is God who is sovereign and good. Okay? We got our three anchor points. Let's open up the scriptures and let's dig in uh, just a little bit with as much time as we've got. Okay, here we go. So number one, God is all sovereign all the time over everything. Let's throw, we've got to have some, uh, a good bit of Bible in here because I don't want any of this to say, well, that guy said. No, you said that guy read, not that guy said, okay? Jesus Christ, in in his word, you know, Jesus Christ is the word of God made flesh. This word right here is perfect in every way. It is the light to our path, and it's it's a light to our path and a lamp to our feet. It shows us where to go. It is the thing by which we test every other truth. If you, this is the whole premise of the whole sermon. If you have a question, we don't say, well, I heard this guy say sometime, one time, well, I feel like God would be like this. I just don't feel like God would send anybody to hell. Who cares what you feel like? I mean, I'm not trying to hurt your feelings, but who cares what I feel like? This is, you know, we live in a culture that's like, well, whatever feels good, whatever. You f- no, no, no. We don't follow our hearts. We lead our hearts, right? We don't, we don't just follow around our hearts. We say, well, I just don't think to test. Well, what's right? What's right and what's wrong? Who is God? What does he say? And so we don't ever want to say, well, I just don't feel like God would be this. We say, well, the Bible says that this is who God is. And we can be firm on that. Amen? Amen. 
Everybody can agree on that, that God's word is absolutely 100% right 100% of the time. So let's go to the word of God and let's say, okay, well, what does the word of God say? So in Psalm 103, verse 19, it says this. As we talk about God is all sovereign over all, it says, The Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his kingdom rules over all. Any questions on that verse? Isn't that as clear as it can possibly get? He rules over all. We, now, a lot of people don't really have a problem with the way that we talk about the sovereignty of God. I've very rarely ever sit down and had a conversation with someone about the sovereignty of God, and they say, well, I just don't think God is all that powerful. You know, I've not really, I mean, unless it was an atheist, and then we have to go to another realm of argumentation. But I've never really sat down with anyone who claims to be a believer that said, do you really think God could do that? Of course he can. He's God. He does whatever he wants, whenever he wants. It's when the sovereignty of God and the sovereign rule of God clash into who we think God is and what we think God should do. That's when we have a problem. And you, I will nail you with this because I can nail me with this. This is where sin happens. This is where injustice happens. This is why there's crime. This is why there's, there's sadness and tears and pain. It's because we thought we could have done it better, brother. We thought that we should have been the one ruling and reigning because God wasn't good enough. He wasn't smart enough. He wasn't powerful. Well, if I was, you now you wouldn't say that, but you know as well as I do when you dig down under and throw all the junk away, if you go outside of the will of God, then basically, or if you, if, let's say this, if you try to get out from under the rule of God, basically what you're saying is, is that I would make a better ruler than you. I should be sovereign instead of you. But we see that God is sovereign. God is ruling and reigning. He is over all. He reigns over all. Psalm 103, 19 says, The Lord has established his throne in the heavens, and his kingdom rules over all. Let's go to another place that says this. He, this is the next point under this one is that he cannot fail because what he wills is already done. You ever thought about this before? If I could get out the whiteboard, I'm not going to do all of that. I seem to preach twice as long when it's out. If I could get out the whiteboard, I would show you through a drawing. I would do it this way is that. Let me just ask you some questions, and let's get a little feedback here, okay? I'm up here all by myself. It's lonely, okay? So let's get a little feedback. Does God know all things? Yes. yes. Anybody think he doesn't? Don't raise your hand. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Does God know all things? Yes. yes. Okay. Now, in order for God to know all things, can it change from the way that he knows it's going to happen? In other words... If God knows it's going to happen one way, can it happen any other way? So it's got to happen the way that he knew it was going to happen, right? Therefore, what God is bringing about, what God knows is going to happen. Now, we've not entered into the realm of God is doing it. We're talking right now that God knows it. That's a whole other conversation, okay? If God knows that it's going to happen that way... No matter who's determining how it happens, it has to happen that way, right? Now, what we know from this fact is that 
if God wills it to be done and he knows it's going to be done, then it's already done. It's just unfolding as we go. Does that make sense? Now, let me read you some scripture because I don't want to be like, I don't know, he lost me in that philosophical mumbo jumbo. Okay? So here we're going to go. If you want to turn with me to Isaiah 46, Isaiah 46, 8 through 9. Isaiah 46, 8 through, I'm sorry, 8 through 11. Check this out. Now, this, this verse right here, when I got to it and I started studying, I was like, man, that's praise the Lord. Only God could line this up. Because I'd already thought about the anchor points and the, the word of God being a light. We need to stick to the word and let it guide. And, and that's how we know what we believe, right? But then listen to this verse. It says, remember this and stand firm. Why would he say, remember this and stand firm? Because when you understand and when you know the word of God, when you have the word of God written in your heart and you know that this is an anchor point and you've read it in the Bible and it's true, then you know I can stand firm right here. I don't have to move. I don't have to worry about it. Nobody can knock me off of this block no matter what they say because Jesus Christ is the word made flesh and the word is always true and I have this truth to stand on so then I will stand firm. Isaiah says, remember this and stand firm. Recall it to mind, you transgressors. Now, he says, you transgressors right there because he's saying, remember this and stand firm. Call it to mind, you people who have a hard time doing what God has called you to do. This is what the Bible is saying. He's saying it to me. He's saying it to you. So when you are struggling, when you are struggling with sin, and all sin is is you disagreeing with God and doing it your way instead of his way, you saying, you're not right, I'm right, I'm going to do it my way, I'm a better God than you okay so the Bible is saying remember the Bible remember what it, the word says and stand firm call it to memory you transgressors he goes on to say for I am God and there is no other you're not God I'm God for I am God and there is no other I am God and there is none like me there is none like me this verse over here and, and all of this is just falling together two weeks ago Maybe three weeks ago, Titus, well, me and the family, we write a verse down and we pin it up in the kitchen and we try to memorize that verse. And I'll try, I'll have all the kids do it and we'll do it and I'll try to memorize it. And well, Titus had this one licked three weeks ago and I didn't have this down then, but the Lord was setting it up just to show you. Uh, I, if he was in here, I'd let him do it for you. But Isaiah 46, 5 says, to whom will you liken me and make me equal and compare me that we may be alike? God looks at, looks at anybody that would, that would be willing to stand up in his face and argue like Job. You know, Job's like, let me have a meeting with God. I'm going to tell him all about it. Let me have him. I'm going to show him. Just let, I just wish I could just stand before him one time. You know what happened when Job stood before God, finally got his day in the limelight? You know what happened? Please, God, no. <laughs> he said, I will shut my mouth and I will be silent. That's what Job said. You have no right. You, we don't have a voice. What are we going to say? To whom will you liken me and make me equal and compare me that we would be alike? There's no one like God. There's no one like him. He says, I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me. Declaring, listen to this. Now, here's, here's where we were just talking. He, he declares, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times things not yet done. The things that are going to happen have already been declared by God. The things that are not yet done to God are already done. 
It's done. Done deal. Now, I want to show you in just a second, there's two reactions to this based on our spiritual position. Some of you just said, that's just not right. In your heart, you just said, no. God ain't got that kind of power. Not over me. I decide. Some of you in your heart just said that. But then others of you said, praise God. Right? There's two. It it depends on, do you trust God? You see that? Did you just feel that? You say, what God demands happen will happen. When God declares it, he says right here, he said, this is the Bible, people. You should be excited about this. He says, I am God and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning. He declares the end from the beginning before it's ever even happened. He said it's going to happen. It happens. What happens when God speaks? Life happens. What happens when he says, be? You be. What happens when he says, don't be no more? You don't be no more. When God speaks it, it happens. So therefore he said, he declares the end from the beginning and from ancient times, things not yet done, saying, my counsel, listen to this, listen to this. He says, my counsel shall stand and I will accomplish all my purposes. Calling a bird of prey goes on to some other things. This is all we need right here. Listen, go back one. I'm sorry. I got a little excited. Declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times, things not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand, and I will accomplish all my purposes. You say, well, what if somebody comes up against God? What, 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 if, what, if, what if somebody tried to, I like this word, thwart his plans? I like that word. It's in the Bible, so I use it. What if somebody tries to thwart his plans? That is a weird word, right? Like some they just left in from the King James, right? He tried to thwart his plans. It even sounds to me like I'm going to thwart you, boy. Right? I mean, that's kind of crazy. But, but listen, when God demands that it happens, it happens. It can't happen any other way. Now, now we're going to get to it in just a second to where some of you said, uh-uh. Uh-huh. I decide my, I decide my destiny. I make my fate. Nobody decides who I'm going to be. You heard this all over our culture. Life is what you make it. You are the determiner of your own destiny. Really? 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 (laughs) All right, let's turn over. Let's see if that's that's the case. Now, I don't know if any of you read the story about Nebuchadnezzar and uh, Daniel was going to tell him about this dream and interpret the dream for him. Anyway, Nebuchadnezzar had become a very powerful ruler, right? He reigned over a lot of territory, and he was very powerful. But he got to the place where he's like, yeah, I'm sovereign. Look at this. This is all my doing. This is what Nebuchadnezzar said. I'm the decider here. Sovereign. Was that me? Oh, we finished? What was that? He said, I'm the decider here. You know what God said? We'll see. We'll see. Be very careful when you say, I'm the one that rules my destiny. Would you really want God, the God of the universe to say, let's test that theory. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Would you want God Almighty saying, I thought I did that. You know, I mean, I don't think. But listen here. 
When Nebuchadnezzar gets this so high and mighty and thinking that he's dominant and he's sovereign and he's powerful, you know what happened? God caused him to lose his mind. Now, we're talking about a king who was wealthier than all of us put together and then some. He could have bought the United States, maybe. I don't know. I just made that up. But he was very, 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 very rich. Very rich. He had all kinds of servants. He could just command, you go there, and you go there. And they went, and they did. And he was very powerful. But God's like, nah. And he caused him to lose his mind. So much so that Nebuchadnezzar found himself in a field beside a cow, acting like a cow, eating cud. <laughs> this is true story. True story. Now, what, is Hunter in here? Hunter, raise your hand if you're in here. I, that made me think of you every time. Because the first time I ever met Hunter, her name is Hunter Cud. The first time I ever met Hunter, she goes, my name is Hunter Cud. You know, like the grass cows eat. I said, I know how your name is said now. Hunter Cud. No, she's awesome. You're on fire, and I love it. I love it. God's working in her life. Hunter Cud is on fire. You remember that. So he causes Nebuchadnezzar to lose his mind. He's, he's ridiculously insane. He is actually walking. He's on all fours eating grass in the field like this. Now, I'll become undignified for the Lord. This is what Nebuchadnezzar is doing. He, he's eating grass. He went from powerful, I mean, mighty, mighty man. I'm the one that did all of this to being on all fours in the pasture eating with the cows, the cud, right? Now, listen to what he says. Now, at the end, now this is uh, Daniel chapter 4, verse 34. At the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to the heavens, to heaven, and my reason returned to me. And I blessed the Most High and praised and honored Him who lives forever. Whew. For His dominion is an everlasting dominion. And His kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing. You hear that? All the inhabitants of the earth. Now, I'll get back to this. What does that really mean? All the inhabitants of the earth are counted as nothing. And he does according to his will among the hosts of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. And none can stay his hand or say to him, what have you done? Do you feel the power of that verse? Now, I will contend for... What all the inhabitants of the earth are counted as nothing. I'll contend for what that means. I don't think that it means that God thinks that you're nothing, you're worthless. I don't think that's what it means. What we have to see there, and we, I don't have time for this, but I want to share this with you because it has something to do with what we're going to do. When he says all the inhabitants of the earth are counted as nothing, what it means is your opinion doesn't count in the grand scheme of things. You don't decide. You don't have a say. You look at the Lord and say, yes, Lord. That's hard for us to hear, isn't it? We have such a problem with authority. What are you telling me, Brennan? I'm telling you that your opinion doesn't matter. Mine doesn't either. You know what opinions are like. You know, we don't, we do not matter. It doesn't matter that. We don't matter that way. God loves you and he came to save you, not because you had it figured out. Matter of fact, you didn't, and neither did I. We couldn't. We were dead. We don't even think. Dead people don't think. I'm getting ahead of myself. 
But I'm telling you right now, when it says, and he does according to his will among the host of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth, and no one can stay his hand, no one can stop him, and when he's done, no one can look and say, what have you done? So nobody can stop him, and he's not wrong in what he does. Never. So it would be a very, now this is just a side note, free, no extra charges, Hambone would say. He's going to do what he's going to do anyway. Just get over it. Fall in line. You'd, be, you'd save so much heartache, and I would too. God's God, and there is no other. Stop fighting against him. You can't win. You're just going to make yourself heartache. All right, number two, let's move on. I've got more verses there, but we really need to move on. I will come back. Throw me a pen, somebody. I'll remember it. Remind me of Isaiah 55, all right? I've got to come back to Isaiah 55. All right, anchor number two. Oh, I'm running out of time. All right, anchor number two. God is all good. Now, this is very important. Anchor number two, God is all good. Now, we've just said, and we could go on and on and on and on and on about the sovereignty of God, right? But do you agree with me that God is sovereign over all? Does everybody agree with that? If you don't, you're wrong. (laughs) I just had to throw that in there. Not because I'm right, but because the word is right. Okay, so God is all sovereign over everything, all the time. He's sovereign. Okay, anchor number two, because we could look at that and say, well, if God is so powerful and good and everything he wants to happen is happening, then why is this bad thing happening? He must not be all that good. No. That's not right. You can't say that. Now, if you use your human understanding, it may lead you there, but you're not right. You're reasoning wrong. You're reasoning wrong. Let me go to the Word of God. Okay. These are, this, is, this is very simple. There are more simple passages for this than almost anything I've looked at. I looked at it and I was like, wow, that's really easy. It won't take me long to do that at all. God is all good all the time. We call that omnibenevolent. He is all good all the time. Let's look at 1 John chapter 4, verse 8. 1 John 4, 8. This will be very simple for you. Now, some of you have been hurt. Okay, now, because it might be that you would say, well, everybody knows God is good. If you really do believe that God is good, then why are you so mad at it? If you really believe that everything that God does and everything that he allows to happen is good, then why are you so mad at him? Why are you shaking your fist at him? Why is your lip poked out? Why are you upset, frustrated? But let me assure you that God really is all good. 1 John 4, 8 says this. Anyone, nope, that's not right. Yes, it is. Anyone who does not love does not know God. Why? Anyone who does not love does not know God. Why? Because God is love. God is love. Now, if that were the only one that I was going to share with you, you might would say and you might should say, well, couldn't God be love and hate? Have you ever met my wife? Not my wife, but like a wife, a wife in general. 
you know, just a general wife, you know. I mean a husband, okay. A general husband. What, but I can't even say that because the, I mean, okay, let's go on. Uh, all right. So we could say God is love, but there's a little open room there, right? You could say, well, God is love, but what else is there? That doesn't say what he's not. It just says what he is. Okay, 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 okay. Let's go to another place in 1 John. Turn back over just a page or two to 1 John 1, 5. Okay, this is even a little more clear. 1 John 1, 5 says this. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. Is that better? That's good. God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. You see, that's a double negative. There's no darkness at all. There's none. There's none at all. There's zero. It's not a double negative, is it? I just did that wrong. It's a, it's some. It's doubly clear. How about that? Basically, what I'm saying is, is that it says there is no darkness, none at all. There's not a drop of it. There's not a hint. He could have just said there's no darkness. But he says there's no darkness, none at all. There's zero darkness in God. There is nothing. Let's go to another place here so we know that he is love. He is light and there is no darkness. Turn over to, and you don't have to turn. It's going to be on the screen. But if you want, Psalm 145. Psalm 145. Listen to this. Now God is love, God is light, and God is righteous. God is righteous. Psalm 145 verse 17 reads this way. He hurls down his crystals of ice like, this is not, what is wrong with me today? Psalm 145. There it is. All right. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and kind in all his works. Isn't that good? That's really good. God is righteous in all of his ways, and he's kind in all of his works. So God is love. God is light, and in him there is no darkness. God is righteous in all of his ways and kind in all of his works. And how many times have I used the word all in these verses? He's all good. He's all good all the time. Listen to, uh, now, most of you will know these verses right here. Go to Romans chapter 8. This will be the last one I share on this particular, because we've got to get to Jesus. Romans chapter 8, verse 32. I'm sorry, I put the wrong reference there. It's, it's Romans 8, 28. Romans 8, 28. I just threw Terry off, but that's okay. I'm going to read it for you. All of you know it anyway. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. We know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose, all things work together Amen. for good. Now, I told you I'd come back to it, and, and here I am. Turn with me to Malachi chapter 4. I know we're doing some moving, and I hope I'm not throwing you off, but I want to make sure that you understand that this is Bible, guys. This is not my opinion. This is not what I think is good or anything like that this is the bible Man, I malachi 4 1 all right before i read it 
I've, I've, said two, I've, I've said two big truths, okay? And now these, remember, these are the guardrails because we're going to talk about uh, God's will and man's will next week more in depth, okay? So come back for that. It'll be phase two. It's going to be good, okay? It's tough, so pray for me, but it's going to be good. So we've set a guardrail here. It is God is sovereign over everything. Bang, bang. You bump against that all you want to. It doesn't move. You can always be sure that God is sovereign. We put another guardrail over here, and we can bang on that side because if we say, well, if God is all good, then why is all this bad stuff happening? He must not be sovereign. He must be. So we put a guardrail up over here, and we say, God is all good all the time. There's no darkness in him. So that keeps us in the middle. Now, when we think about the sovereignty of God, when we think about how powerful God is and how he rules over everything and he knows every hair on your head and there's not anything that happen, happens that doesn't pass through his hand. I know that there are people in here who have lost loved ones. I know that Mike Byers, wherever he is in this room, has he recently lost his dad. There he is right there. That he recently lost his dad. Now, Mike is faced with a dilemma, or has been. I, I know where Mike is, so he's solid. He's okay. But, but Mike, and, and, and all of you similar situations with Mike, you've lost loved ones. People have died horrendous deaths to cancer and to this and that. Maybe you've fought cancer. Maybe you are in the last stages. Now, I don't know what's going on, but, but those who face these humongous things in their life, if God is sovereign, when you come to this place of this, this trial, this trouble, this, this place of, of turmoil and, and anguish of the soul and, and this crying and these, these tears. How you understand God and how you are related to God will decide everything from that point. And here's where I want you to think about has your heart been transformed? If you come to a place of tragedy, and you raise up again. Now, God allows questions. God allows tears. And God even allows anger. Because I know when my child gets hurt, he's angry. Even though he doesn't know why he's angry. So I believe that God just embraces and holds while we beat against his chest. That's fine. I think that God has room for that. His shoulders are very big. I think that that's okay. Mike, it's okay to cry out to the Father. Why? Why? But I think where we go wrong is is that when something in our hearts turns and says you did this I hate you in our heart now if you have a relationship if you have a relationship with God like the one in Romans chapter 8 where it says you have not received a spirit of slavery which leads to fear again but you've received the spirit of adoptions by which we cry out, Abba, or Daddy. If you have a relationship with this God as your Papa, as your Father, as the one who loves you, yeah. he, he lo he's, he, he's got your best interest in mind. Yeah. He's got, he knows what's going on. He knows so much more than you. He sees beyond your wildest imaginations. He knows all the implications of all the lives that will be touched. Every little hair that will blow this way because you stepped and let the wind go by. He knows every domino that will fall because of what happened to you. 
He knows every detail. And yes, he allowed it to happen. If he is your daddy, who you know would not come against you. He said, even your earthly fathers know how to give good gifts. If your son asks for a fish, you won't hand him a snake. If you who are evil can give good gifts, your father in heaven, how much more will he give you good gifts? Mike, I have no idea why your father was taken in such a hurry. But I know that we can trust daddy. That's all I need to know. How you relate to our Heavenly Father will gauge how you accept His sovereign rule over everything. And I know there are other people in here who have lost loved ones. And I know you sit and you've beat your chest and you've cried out why. Sometimes we're just not meant to know. You guys, take the second anchor. Take the second anchor as an anchor for your soul that God is good. He is love. He is light and there is no darkness. Everything that he does is righteous in all of his ways and all and he's, and he's all kind in all of his works. Everything that he does has a purpose. We can't see it, but he knows. So the third is, the last point, and if the band wants to come up, is that, oh, let me, oh, I, did, I didn't read Malachi 4. Oh, it's good, it's good. Listen, I got to read it, I got to read it. For behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven. When all the arrogant and all evildoers will be stubble. The day that is coming shall set them ablaze, says the Lord of hosts, so that it will leave them neither root nor branch. This is a sovereign God that will rain down fire on all of his enemies. This is the God that people don't get that they shake their fist at they get angry with because he's a he's a he's going to pour out judgment but the only reason you should have a problem with that is if you're an enemy of god continue to read but say he's going to rain down fire if you're not a part of the family of god because you you have broken the law of god you have stood against this sovereign good god and you have said no i am god so you will be set on fire and burned up. That's God's word. But here, verse 2. But for you who fear my name, for those of you who have been born into me, for those who fear my name, the sun of righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. You shall go out leaping like calves from the stall. And you shall tread down the wicked, for they will be ashes under the soles of your feet. On the day when I act, says the Lord of hosts, nobody will touch you. You will smile. You will leap with joy. The last truth and what we must end on is that the third anchor is that Jesus is God. Who is sovereign and who is good? 
You see, Jesus Christ, see, God throughout the Old Testament, throughout the New Testament, is pictured as an all-powerful God who does as he pleases, who cannot be thwarted, who cannot be turned away. Everything that he does stands. His counsel will stand. It shall come to pass. All of his purposes, they will come to completion. What are his purposes? What kind of God is this who has power? What kind of God is this who can do anything he wants to do whenever he wants to do it? What type of God is this? We find the culmination or the apex. We find, we find out what that looks like and how God will work that out throughout human history. We find it in the God-man, Jesus Christ. Everything that you knew about God finds its completion in Christ. Listen to Colossians chapter 1, starting in verse 15, and just let this wash over you. Don't be scared of this God who is all-powerful unless you don't know the Son. Stand and rejoice. He is the image of the invisible God, speaking of Christ, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of the cross. You see, the God of the Old Testament is the same God of the New Testament. He will pour out wrath. He will rain down fire. And there will be wrath like you've never even comprehended. The only question is, who will take it? You see, when the sovereignty of God collides with the goodness of God, we find Jesus Christ. Because this God who is all-powerful, he is all-knowing. He rules over all. He is righteous in all of his ways. Instead of pouring out wrath like he should have done on every one of you and on me as well, he should have poured out wrath. But this sovereign God who is right in all of his ways and who has everything that he wants in the palm of his hand and who could wipe all of us out in one breath is a good God. And he came to bear the wrath that would come for you. You see, Jesus Christ is where God's love and His justice meets His love and His patience and His kindness. Do you know Him? If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I'm not trying to scare you, but I am kind of trying to scare you. You will not make it. I read to you the truth. 
Our God is sovereign. Anything that stands against him is going to burn up. But anything that stands with him through the blood of Jesus Christ and is adopted into the family, it will stand with Christ on the day of judgment. Those sins are washed away because God took the wrath that you should have taken. He received a death blow that you should have received. He was cut off from the land of the living that you would be cut off from the land of the dead. He descended into the lower region so that you could ascend into heaven. Don't you see? God is sovereign. And this was his plan from the beginning. Because he knew Jesus was going to come. He knew that he would come. As we all stand to our feet, I have to ask you, do you know Christ as Lord and Savior? Will you rest with him in the end? Will you be saved from that fiery place by this sovereign God? Or will you be cast by this sovereign God? Don't delay. Our God is a really good God. I know you don't understand it all, and I know that it seems as if your world's falling apart. And you're trying to figure out, you know, God, why? Why did you let this happen? If you're so good, like the preacher's saying, then why is all of this happening this way? Why is it that my, my child was lost? Why is it that my dad has cancer? Why is it that these tsunamis hit? Why is it that these tornadoes? Why is it that these terrorists? Why is it that, why are you letting this stuff happen? Why? God says, my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. And my thoughts, they're just higher than your thoughts. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. See, God is saying you don't have to understand, but trust me in my word, and I will give you the peace. I will give you the strength. I will give you what you need, for I am a sovereign God, and everything that I desire, it comes true. Don't go against this God. Don't go against Him, but come to Him. Who would come to this wonderful God? The altar is open. Christ is near. I've pleaded with you through the Word of God. Don't delay. He's a good God, and He has the power to do what needs to be done in your life. Don't delay. Come to Him right now.